Welcome to the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. I'm your host, Deb Maisner. I'm a registered nurse, health coach, and alcohol-free badass. I have found that there's more than one way to address drinking. If you've ever asked yourself if drinking is taking more than it's giving, or if you've found that you're drinking more than usual, you may have reached your own alcohol tipping point. The Alcohol Tipping Point is a podcast for you to find tips, tools, and thoughts to change your drinking. Whether you're ready to quit forever or a week, this is the place for you. You are not stuck and you can change. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. This one, we really hit the ground running. I didn't get a chance to do a regular intro for Mike Diamond, so I'm going to do it here. Mike Diamond is an author, television personality, director, life coach, and interventionist. He's best known for his work on the TV shows New York Inc. and Bondi Inc. Tattoo Crew. Mike got sober in April 16th of 2006, and since then, Mike has literally helped hundreds of people on the road to recovery. He is the author of Seven Steps to an Unbreakable Mindset and the newly released book, A Dose of Positivity, tools, techniques, and strategies to live life on your own terms. I hope you enjoy this episode. Like I said, Mike Diamond just starts out on fire. Mike Diamond drops gems. So (laughs) enjoy this episode. We talk about a lot of different things. We talk about finding your purpose. He gives some specific techniques that you can use when you're having cravings. We talk about dealing with setbacks and and he just kind of shares about his life and he has so much to share. So enjoy this episode. This world where we're like changing our drinking or we're trying to get sober and we're done with it, you see the same thing where it gets divided into like these different tribes and like, no, you have to do it this way. You're not doing it right. That's so disempowering, like you said. Well, the reason as well that I don't agree with is this. So I don't, if I meet you right now, I don't know you. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know your environment. I don't know how that environment affected you, right? And I don't know where you've come to into this place, right? So what I do, because no one gave me this information, I was mentally, physically abused most of my life, right? Because my parents didn't have the skills, right? They just weren't taught the skills. There was tools out there, but back then, you know, when I went to school, if you didn't pay attention, you got, you got cracked. People hit you. I got the cane. I got the strap, right? Then you don't go to your parents. Hey, I got hit because you get a double hitting because like, what did you do wrong? Right? So then you go to the extreme now. If a kid, it's oversensitive, right? But there's a middle ground because it was, it was just corporal punishment for everything. So when I meet someone, I just shut up and I actively listen and I just meet them where they're at. And they're going to have different, they have to have different opinions to me and perspectives. And I'll tell you why. I always say to people, the food isn't the menu, right? You could look at a menu, but until you try the food, get the taste. So the map isn't the territory. You can look at a map of the world, but it's not the actual territory. So I don't know the territory you've experienced, and I don't know your map of reality. I can't because I'm not you. 
you have to have a different perspective to me. So if I get out of my own way, right, and get, go into second person, which is you, and just look at the world the way you look at it in a very unconditional, loving, non-judgmental way, I can get along pretty well anywhere in the world. I don't have to agree with all your opinions, right? And if you're a good, kind person and compassionate, empathetic, making empowering choices and bringing value to others, it's fine. Now, if you're a racist, bigot, homophobic, mean, destructive human being, I, I might step in and say, hey, have you, have you tried another way? Because when you're in pain, all you push out is pain. Right, so the person's just in pain. They need help. They need healing. They're hurt. They're suffering. And then no one's probably slowed them down and given them tools. Right? So I just say to people, wherever you're at, I'll meet you there. And then I just separate toxic people. I just step back. If someone's toxic and they're spitting venom, I'm just like, I, mean, I just don't need to deal with it. I'm going to be angry. I'm just not. So, so I don't try to change people's opinions. If someone's rock bottom falling apart and they're like, I had a friend of mine used to drink 70 drinks a week. Hey, 70. It's an old roommate. I get sober and he's like, I read the worst article in my life. I said, what was it about? He goes, they said if you drink more than 30 drinks a week, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, well, you're probably drinking alcoholically because it's like five or six a night. He's like, I'm drinking 70 a week. <laughs> like, who? Yeah. You got an issue. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. I got him sober five times. He still, to this day, gets sober, messes his life up, gets sober, messes up it. He won't stop. He can't drink moderately. I can't stop him. I'm still loving. I'm still kind. It's just, I can't. I'm 17 years sober. He doesn't look at me and go, maybe Mike's going to learn to it. No, just, okay, that's where he's at. I'm still kind and loving. I can't change him. You know, we've got to stop trying to change people. It doesn't work like that. It's not, it's not healthy. Yeah. I, 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 and you just really showed that in, in your book. So I, I was telling you before we started recording, like, I was just so delighted to get this newest book you wrote, A Dose of Positivity, Tools, Techniques, and Strategies to Live Your Life on Your Own Terms. Because it is just full of these nuggets, like what you were just talking about, and just full of so many useful ways to compassionately live your life on your own terms, you know, and, and what might work for someone might not work for someone else. And, and that's okay. And to let yeah. go of that judgment. Yeah, we're going to stop telling people what to do. You just got to like, look, it's like I say to people, I could say that at a 12-step meeting. I, I walked into a meeting because I was making horrible choices. I talk about it when, uh, when I, when I was with Scott Weiland in the book, right. Making disastrous choices, right. I climbed the wrong mountain. Here I was all superficially. You think I've got it together. I'm, I'm a disaster. I break my ankle before I'm shooting the VH1 pilot. I'm a disaster, right? No one, no one intervened. No one said, Hey, Mike, what are you doing? Cause that's what I was the company I had work hard, play hard. So I was like, I'll go to meetings, went to meetings. I shut my mouth. It clicked. I just knew I, I had learned my lesson from drinking and cocaine and the heroin, whatever I was that to me, I was mood altering because of the pain, because of the trauma. When I'm triggered, 
I had no tools. When the trauma came up, what, what is safe and guaranteed? Cocaine, alcohol. So it works for a while because that's all you have, right? And then the insidious thing about drugs and alcohol and disempowering choices that we make that are short-term, the long-term consequences are disastrous, but we're so caught into it, get stuck in the rabbit hole. And I tell people it becomes an unconscious competence, right? It's like when you first get into a car, it's impossible to remember everything. How am I going to break and look through the rear vision mirror? And when I indicate, look over my shoulder and blind spot. And then all of a sudden you learn how to do it. Conscious competence. You go six exits down the freeway and you don't even know you're in your car. You're like, where was my mind? The body takes over, right? So the body becomes the mind. And what people don't realize is, let's just say you're driving down the freeway and someone cuts you off. Your amygdala, the primitive part of your brain, hijacks you, right? And the body takes over. The emotions take over. And that's why people say, well, I was so emotional, I didn't think. It's true, because you were hijacked by emotions that you weren't rationally thinking, right? So when you are stuck in trauma and cycles and you are triggered, you've become an unconscious confidence to go to the nearest thing to alter the mood, which is, for me, it was cocaine and drinking. I didn't rationally think. I wasn't thinking. I was caught in fight, flight, freeze, and feed mode. So I just fed and fed and fed, then fought and fought and fought, right? And I was in that cycle until you sit on, like I always say, you have to disconnect to reconnect, right? Disconnect from the world to reconnect to your source. Got to shut it down. And then when you get reconnect, you get into your intuition and I had that, you know, spiritual epiphany with Scott. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. This is, I'm gone. I'm, I'm on the wrong path. This, I don't know where this is going to go in my society, but I know this is a mistake. And, and just everyone has a different, that's why I intervene. Some people are so caught in the system. I didn't expect to become an interventionist. But the last thing in my mind, I was at acting school. Like, you didn't help people. If someone would have had a crucible and told me that, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It was all me, 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 me. <laughs> now it's how do I help people? Well, I, I mean, you have so much in your book that you can share. I, I didn't even know. I'm like, where to start? But I, I, I think this would be a helpful podcast for people just, you know, to share some of the tools that you talked about. And okay. two of them that came up again and again were the stop and the stamp. Can you walk us through those? They're the best. They are life changing. So stop is basically whenever you're hijacked, whenever the emotions, the amygdala takes over, the simply just stop. You have to do you, first of all, you, you have to recognize you're, you're getting triggered. You're disturbed. You're about to fly off the head and you stop. The second thing is take a breath. And I explain to people, you have to breathe diaphragmatically. People go, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's not breathing. That's hyperventilating. So breathing diaphragmatically is inhaling correctly through the nose, expanding the diaphragm and then out. So some people follow because the Navy SEALs, everyone's like, want to be cool Navy SEAL. They do the box breathing, which is in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, like a box, right? But I tell people and I explain the book, like if you see a UFC fight or you see a boxing match, and there's two athletes fighting. If they make it to the corner, all the corner man says first is breathe. Breathe. You can hear. I tell people, watch a fight. And they're like, you're right. I go, because the corner man knows 
they're in a motion, they're in fight, flat a priest, they're in a, a fight. People think, it's, you know, it's not fight, it's fighting, it's boxing or UFC. But if they breathe, the blood goes out of the hands and, and the, the cardiovascular system slows down and then we're in their prefrontal cortex so they can think. Stop, take a breath, at least five or six deep breaths. Oh, you're either afraid you're not going to get what you want. You're going to lose what you have. You're tripping and obsessed about the future. Or you have guilt and shame for something you've done in the past. Has to be one of the four in life. So if you're in one of those four places, guess where you're not? Present. Because in all reality, if there's no danger right now, I'm on a podcast with you. That's it. That's the purest reality, right? It doesn't matter what happened 10 minutes ago. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 minutes from now. I'm sitting on the podcast. So when you ground yourself and you observe from breath work, you now start to rationally think, well, what is the trigger? What is the issue? And that creates the gap between information in and information out. You don't react. You've just created that simple gap. And then P, proceed. You stop, you take a breath, you observe, and you proceed. That's for emotion, disturbance, because the environment, because remember, you can feel and then think. Something triggers you, you have a feeling, you act, then you're like, what did I do? Right? That stops. Now, if you're sitting there and you're in here all day, think, feeling, that's rumination, right? I have a thought, I hate that person, I've got a resentment. That's going to make you feel angry and resentful, and then you're going to lash out. It's different to feeling and thinking, thinking, right? Feeling and acting. Do you follow me? So if you sit here all day and you have a resentment, the resentment is going to trigger the negative feeling, right? Which is going to lead into the action. But you thought your way into feeling. You didn't feel your way into thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's tricky, but it may, do you understand it? Yeah, well, and I kind of, it, it's interesting that you bring this up because I've been hearing it or even applying it more of the think, feel, act. So yes, so, so something happens. It's a circumstance, data, proven in a court of law, right? And then you have a thought about it quickly. And that thought causes your feeling. And then from there, you act. So so sometimes That's... your thoughts... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go, go. Sometimes your thoughts... Oh, I was just going to say, so sometimes your automatic thought is oh, I'm a loser or I'm a failure or I fucked up or whatever. And so it's like, okay, how can we change that thought so that we have a better feeling? There you go. So that's stamp. So you're going to stamp on the rumination and negative thoughts. Again, you stop. You always take your breaths, right? So once you start breathing again, you're back in control. Right, because I'm breathing to slow my mind down. We're breathing, you were slowing your emotions down before and stop. And now I adjust my thinking. Because now mm. all right, I need to adjust my thinking, right? I need to adjust it. What is this craziness, right? Am I really a loser? What am I overthinking? Why am I ruminating? Now here's the key. M is make the change, right? To find something to be grateful for in the moment. Because if you can make the change to have a little gratitude and center yourself, you can't have gratitude and anger. You can't be grateful for the small stuff and be angry. So it actually changes everything. Appreciation and gratitude. So you make the change. I'm going to make the change now to be present, 
find something to be grateful for, be kind to myself, but I'm physically going to tell myself, adjust my thinking, make the change. Now, P, I proceed. But I have to clear myself out before I make, to, before I proceed. And these are like, oh, I'm going to stamp, 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 stamp. I just don't feel good. <laughs> doesn't work like that. Stop. Breathe diaphragmatically. Seriously, get it? People don't, we don't breathe. We live in a world right now where no one breathes. Right? It's like I said to someone the other day, right? They're like, I go to yoga, I meditate, eat organic foods, and they told me all the great things they do. I go, that's awesome. I said, but do you know your biggest problem? They're like, what am I? You're always stressed out. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, how quickly do you move through yoga? Like, I race through yoga. I'm always stressed before I get there. I'm stressed through class. My mind is there. I'm like, are you really doing yoga? You're doing sport. You're not doing yoga. I go, when you eat, you read all these organic foods. I said, but are you sitting there mindfully and chew, chewing your food slowly to build up the digestive enzymes in your saliva that then go into your gut? And remember, 80% of our serotonin, the feel-good hormone, is in our gut, right? And the microbiome, how are you eating? Well, I'm just stopping down my food. I said, so it doesn't matter if it's organic or it's McDonald's. You're not processing the food. Food is fuel, right? That's why, what do we do? We overeat in this country, right? We get these, like, it's always sugar. It's always, because why? Because emotionally, slowing down. That's why stop and stamp, slow you down, make you regulate. So what do you do? You get out of fight, flight, and freeze, and you get into your sympathetic, into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. So if you're resting and digesting, you're healing. Okay, you're not running on adrenaline. And that's what we do now because we can't process all the information coming in. It's too much information. So what do we do? Like, I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, the best thing about when I grew up, I said, what? I said, I called someone and said, I'll meet you for lunch. I didn't, I met them. If they show, they didn't show up. I go, oh, I wonder what happened. I hope they're okay. I go home, I'll find a pain phone, call them on their landline. Because you don't really have cell phones and use them. Oh man, sorry, this went on. Okay, I'll see you next week. It wasn't like play by play every nine seconds. Where are you? Why are you late? What's this going on? A thousand emails, thousand text messages. I made my way to meet them. Or when I moved to New York, you know how I got to know people? I went out and met them. I didn't swipe right on that, but I didn't look for Australians in New York. It wasn't Facebook. It was barely the internet. I just met people. Got to know them. How you doing? What do you like? What do you don't like? Oh, I don't like that. But I did have a good, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, we forget that, the connection, the organic connection. But if we can slow down and regulate, we can connect again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so stop and stand. And stand. Yep. Yep. Very useful. What, you know, because this is an episode about like people who are changing their drinking or quitting drinking, they have a lot of cravings. Like, are there some examples or tools that you would recommend for those kind of cravings or urges? So do you, are you talking about someone that wants to moderate or just stop? Let's say stop or they're taking a break. They're like, I don't want to drink tonight, but every night around five o'clock, I'm drinking again. Like, what are your tips for those? Best people? technique. You don't stop, you substitute. Mm -hmm. Always substitute, right? 
So there's a reason why you, you crave the drink. Okay, it's very simple. Whenever we crave something, like I talk, a dose of positivity, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphin. We're looking for a dose. We're looking for the happy brain chemicals, right? But you don't also, have, or you don't always have to be happy and always, you know, you can't always be happy and up. And, Why am I on fire today? Supposed to always be on fire. That's the human condition. That's why we're always chasing something outside ourselves to please ourselves. Sometimes it's okay to be melancholy. Sometimes it's okay to feel flat. Sometimes it's okay to be tired. The body's telling you rest. So when you're craving, you're either craving a dopamine, a reward, your serotonin, endorphins, or person, right? So if you go to drinking, right, or go to sugar, like something like that, I go, well, what is a more empowering alternative? So for me, if I crave wine or something, I go to something like a, a sparkling seltzer water, right? I go to something that I know is going to sparkling seltzer water, flavored seltzer water is the greatest. You know why? Because it makes it taste good. It's bubbly it's fruity that's why now do you notice they have all those non-alcoholic beverages wines and beers it's amazing those things are gold if you're a non-alcoholic get those non-alcoholic beverages they are gold they are so good I, I couldn't believe they have whiskeys in a non-alcoholic it's brilliant it really is because the flavor it's like a placebo effect i can have a non-alcoholic beer because I like the taste of beer, like 0% Heineken. And it's like I'm having a beer because I like that. I used to like the taste. Of, I used to like the taste of liquor. I like to get drunk, but I like the taste of it. When my wife drinks, she's a normie and she doesn't like the taste of liquor. She just has fun. Like, I like it. So I say to people, don't quit, substitute. Don't put in your brain, I've got to quit. No, 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 no. Just substitute. I'm craving. Now, what's my alternative? Okay. What, what can I do? So come up with three or have a nice non-alcoholic wine. If you're not, you know, that's your thing. Drink some seltzer water. Maybe eat something really healthy. Don't go to sugars. Like eat like a loaf of bread because you're going to still be craving, you know. Or maybe go for a walk. Go for a nice walk. Move your body a little bit. But always ask yourself why. What's my craving? Why and why am I craving it? Because we all, whatever the, there's something triggering it. There's always something that's motivating it. We want the carrot. There's something. What's the motivation? Why am I craving this? Wow, I'm angry. Why am I angry? I remember what my sister said, you know, and, and she annoyed me or, you know, I'm worried. I'm worried about that, the work, right? So I, I, I'm so freaked out. Like I've got this deadline. Okay, so will that help me drinking the liquor? No. Okay, so... What do I, how can I take action? What can I do so I less worry? Take action towards the goal, okay? Create a solution and then do something healthy for myself. If I don't want to drink, I've made the choice that I want to put this, I'm craving it. I know the emotion. Okay, let me do something positive. And keep and it simple. Yeah, I like how you, you did just keep it simple. You're like, don't stop, substitute. No. Substitute. You got to, because then you beat yourself up. I never tell people. Don't beat yourself up. Stop. Just substitute. Just, just, well, that, just switch it up. Yeah, that, I mean, because that was my other question. Like, how, how do you deal with setbacks? You know, if someone is like, yeah, I'm done with drinking, but I just, you know, they get stuck in that shame and, sh shame and blame spiral. And, and, you know, they're like, I only got five days or I keep starting over. Like, how do you deal with setbacks? 
Well, every obstacle is an opportunity to grow and setback is a step forward. So we fail forward. We fail back. If you make a mistake, you've got to identify why you made the choice. See, I'm the opposite of most like people that kind of like over preach like AA and stuff. Stop, 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 stop. Just let's just figure out why you're upset and be kind to yourself. The world's going to beat you up enough. Don't sit there in your inner critic calling yourself a loser. You're not a loser. You made a choice and now you realize it wasn't the choice that deep down was empowering. Right? So you were triggered or you're upset or you're emotional. And a lot of people don't have people to talk to. So if you don't have someone you can lean on and say, hey, I'm going through it. I'm going struggling. I've got a lot of fears. Then what are you doing? You resort to what's safe. There's a guarantee with drugs and alcohol and and porn and shopping. That's why it's created. <laughs> Neuroscience marketing. They know what they did. I talk about it in the book. You know what I'm saying? When you go to like stores with the dopamine receptors, they smell a certain way. They trick us. So first of all, be kind to yourself. All right. Identify why. Why did I slip up? Why? Right. Well, I slipped up because I was, it's always an emotion. It's always a feeling. It's always a frustration. It's always a resentment. A dis- you, you don't, now, some people are the opposite. They get too, too adrenaline run, too high, too happy. You know, they live in the wind too long. Like we just said, remember you, you, you drink when you're happy, you drink when you're sad. So you gotta like, but the key to this is anytime, if you want to stop is to first of all, just say to yourself, okay, I fell off. I had five days. Now maybe I have to check in with someone when I feel like using, right? Read something positive move my body, go to a yoga class. Don't, don't, don't go to the gym for six hours. No, go for like 10, 20 minutes. Do something where it's just always go to substitute, but get out of that, beat yourself up. It, it's, it's pointless. Everyone's like, no one has it figured Figuring it out. No one. Anyone that says they know it all has already lost. No one knows it all. We just learn and grow daily. That's all we do. You know, day by day. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Like it, it's like again, I want to take a deep breath and just be like, okay, let that go. Like, I mean, just be kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself. You're so right. I mean, the world's gonna beat us up enough. We don't need to add to that. Yeah, I just like I, I all my life. The reason I'm so kind to people is because no one was kind to me growing up. They weren't. They were mean. They bullied me. I was really successful at sports. People hated on me, wanted to see me lose. And then when I won, they called me a show-off. So I was damned if I do, damned if I don't, right? So no one sat me down and, and I had so much potential, but no one sat me down and showed me how to reach my potential. They didn't care. And so then when I started to realize, I gathered enough information and test myself. I said, hey, wait a second. I was putting people on a pedestal. Everyone's figuring out. Like a lot of these people, I paid the dummy tax. I put myself, I left, took risks. I went to New York. I've been all over the world. I've shot TV shows, write books. I'm like, oh, wow. Hey, hey, hey. I've seen billionaires that you think would have it all figured out and they can't stop using. So it was like, ah, it's okay. I'm just human, having a human experience like them. So that's why I'm so loving the people. I'm like, don't worry. Don't think, don't look. People. People post that three or four seconds on Instagram, right? And people go, oh, and that's their life. <laughs> it's 
Do not look at the highlight clips of someone's life. When I started talking about my, how much of a crackhead I was, many mistakes I made and all this stuff years ago, people were like, don't do that. You'll never work. Now I'm booked everywhere as a speaker because I'm honest. I yeah. failed more than anyone. I, you know, I am legendary at failing. I, you know, I think like people go, how come you're so successful? I'm like, cause I fail so much. I break so many dishes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, people look at the picture on the wall, the canvas in the art gallery, they don't see the mess it took to get there. You're supposed to make a mess. Life is messy. People are messy. And you just, eh. And you just learn. You're like, oh, I won't do that. It's like falling off the bike. Eventually, if you keep going, you'll be able to kick the training wheels off. That's what life is. Just, and you get better at some things and some things that you struggle. And that's what it is. It's that human experience. You just chug along. Be- beautifully said. Well, and you have done so much. I, I didn't read your intro. Usually I do that with you, but I'm like, wow. I mean, also, so, so Mike, you're listed as an author, a television personality, a director, a life coach, an interventionist. You've been on New York Inc. and Bondi Inc. tattoo crew. You've had multiple businesses you've you've been in kids in a rehab facility you're doing celebrity interventions and like so 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 much and and at first I was like how but then you share in the book like you get up at four in the morning three four in the morning three or four in the morning tell me about that this is the best I talk about direct and indirect mentors right in the book a direct mentor is calling me personally. An indirect mentor is watching someone's life and directly being infected and inspired, right? So I try to do both. I try to inspire people by action, right? And motivate them in education by what I do. And then if someone comes to me, I allow them to model my behavior and I show them how to do things, right? So I always do this. I don't know. I go to someone that knows and I don't question it. That's how I'm getting good sobriety. I went to people that had 15 years of sobriety and I didn't question it. I wanted their sobriety. And when I studied neurolinguistic programming and got certified NLP, Tony Roberts talks about it. Model excellence and you'll be excellent. Keep it that simple, right? So I called a friend of mine and I said, what's something? She has two kids. She's, she's a very dear friend, very successful. I said, what's something your husband could have done when you had your first kid? Because we only wanted one kid. And she's like, if my husband would have taken the baby, from three in the morning till seven in the morning and let me sleep, my life would have been done. So literally the next day, I was getting up at five-ish, right? I said to my wife, I'm going to start up getting up between three and four. She's like, why? And I said, I just, I just, I got to do it. So I get up between three and four. I just meditate, do my thing. And guess what? The baby came seven weeks premature. So we were in the ICU, right? It, it was in the NICU, right? I was ready. I had trained. So what I would do is when she'd do that feeding, it, she'd feed him at like 12. I don't, I get to bed by eight or nine and I'm like three o'clock. I got the baby. Don't even worry about it. So at three o'clock, I would grab the baby, let her sleep. I would just work out with the baby. I'd put him on like a workout thing. I'd do pull-ups with him. I'd go running. That's how I started running marathons. I'd throw the baby in the stroller and I would just spend that time and I would wait. I'd push, I'd probably push the baby five, 10,000 miles, like running. People used to laugh because in the area, people go, there's this crazy guy. 
that runs with his baby, like at three, four in the morning. Right. And they would see me like running up hills with the baby. But the great thing was I wouldn't come home until she texted me. So I would take food, bottles, a diaper if I had to, in the stroller. One day I pushed him like 17 miles and I would just feed him, stop, bond with him, right? And then she would say, oh, babes, I'm I'm, I'm away. So it would be like 7.30. I come home. She had three and a half, four hours sleep. Never mess with me. Our marriage is good. Because it's like she had, so I would get up first. Yeah, I, and I would meditate. I would put him in like the bouncer. I would meditate. I would stretch, work out, would go running. It was the best. I adjusted my whole life. And now it gets me such an edge because between three and four, if I'm up, by seven o'clock, I check my phone. No one's bothering me. If you have to use the bathroom at three in the morning, you ain't calling me. So that means no one's going to bother me. And I've done such great deals because if there's business in New York, guess what? If I call you, and it's three or four in the morning and I want to do a deal with you. And you look at your time, you're like, damn, he's up. He beat me to the office. I want to, and that's how I get work as well. And it's how I write my books. It's quiet. Bothers me. I can sit down for hours. So between three and four to me is the golden hour. And I, I never break off. I've been doing that for like six years now. Wow. Well, as you were telling your story, first I was thinking all the moms, all the new moms, all the mom. My kids are 13 and 16 now. I was like, oh, God. It saves your what marriage. what I wanted. It saves, saves your marriage. It does. Like, it's so oh. great. It's like all these mothers, Gusty, my wife, like the, the girls. And I'm in great shape, right? Some of these guys aren't in the shape I'm in. And they just like, we hate you. I said, why? Well, like, I was going to say, up yeah. between three and four and you push the baby in a stroller. I'm like, yeah, but she leaves you alone now. I have a great marriage. That yeah. Doesn't bother me because she's like, how can it bother him? He was up and ball with the baby every day. Never as yeah. once. I didn't even question it. I was like, let me grab the babes, get your sleep. Because you need that sleep. I don't know what it's like carrying a baby. It's hard. Um, and she yeah. had postpartum. She felt great because she just knew she could get those four hours. She was never sleep deprived. And so I just I always go to someone that knows more than me and I shut up and I do the work. I'm like, done. So I need, and we laugh about it. Well, we, I mean, and you keep hearing about a lot of successful people get up super early. What I was going to share too is the other morning I woke up at 4.30 and I thought of you. I, I just woke up naturally and I was like, I'm going to get up. What would Mike Diamond do? Okay, I'm going to get up. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It just, I don't know. Like it gives me so much time. I'm in such a great state because I've meditated. Like we don't give ourselves enough time. Like I journal, I meditate, my body's clear. Like I'm so present when by the time my wife gets up at seven with my son, I'm just clear. Like I can, I, I don't, I haven't checked my, I'm like clear. So whatever they need, I'm present. I'm not like getting up at six and then going, oh my God, I've got 50 things to do and I've got no time. So to me, time is everything because we only get 24 hours. We get the same 24 hours. And then people waste a lot of time. And I don't waste it. Like I always say to people, here's a trick. And I talk about prioritizing your time in the book. So I say that, that break the rules because they're meant to be broken. Respect man-made laws. Because if you don't, every law is different in every state. You could end up in jail, right? And you'd be behind the wrong bars in that situation, right? <laughs> And abide the spiritual laws. 
karma and I talk about it, you know, law of correspondence, cause and effect, law of purpose, law of synchronicity, law of attraction. So people say you should sleep. I sleep six and I sleep like a baby. I don't need eight. So I get an extra two hours on what the rule is. Right? So what's two hours times seven days a week? That's 14 hours a week, right? 14 hours a week times four is what's that? 32 hours a month. So it's more than that. It's 72 hours, whatever it is. But if you add it up over the whole year, I get an extra month by two hours because I don't sleep eight hours. I sleep six. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should sleep. Don't go with, that's why I said, figure out for you. I figure it out for me. I was told if I didn't take my colon out, I would have, I would die of colon cancer, right? After my stomach surgery. I was told I have to take all these drugs for my ADHD. I didn't because I thought mm, the ADHD medicine's methyl based. I'm an addict. I can't. I was told you should be on antidepressants when you, you know, after your stomach surgery. I don't, I don't like them. I don't make me feel good. Right. I don't, I don't take pay I do all these things and I come back to me and say, well, hold on. If it doesn't feel right for me, maybe I shouldn't do it. And I'm healed and healthy. Now I'm not saying you don't listen to a doctor. You can listen to, of course. But you've also got to be, have your own barometer and navigating system. And intuitively, you need to ask yourself, do I need this? Should I do some more research? You know, sit alone. Like they say, if you sit alone in the dark, you shine in the bright light. If you don't sit alone in the dark, you get exposed to the bright light. And the bright lights are light. Do the work alone by yourself when no one's around. Shut everything off. And sit alone and ask yourself, how do I feel? Forget it. How do I feel? And tap into that and surrender to the unknown. And then the miracles happen. I love it. I, I, I like talking about time too. And because people are always trying to find more time. And one of the things I think, you know, for me, getting sober, giving up drinking is magically... I had so much more time because so much of your bandwidth is taken up with like thinking about drinking and then drinking and then recovering from drinking. And then, you know, just you just don't even realize it until it's gone. And then it's like, OK, now what do you do with that time? How do you feel, feel, fill your time? You know, how do you find meaning and purpose? And you're someone that seems like you're very driven by that. Do you have advice for people who now, let's say they're done with drinking, they have all this time on their hands, but they're kind of like, now what do I do? What do I do with my life? How do I figure this out? This is great. So I, t someone asked me the other day, do I have any stress? I said, no. I'm like, why? And I said, I'll tell you why. Every morning, no matter where I travel in the world, because I travel a lot with work, right? To do interventions and speaking is my rituals are the same. Wherever I land. If I had to adjust my clock a couple of hours, if I'm on the East Coast, it's not three or four because I'll lose three. Maybe it's still five o'clock on the East Coast, right? Because I've got to be smart. I still got to respect my body until I adjust. Every, always get up. I drink 20, 30 ounces of water to hydrate my body. I journal my thoughts. Always journal my thoughts. How am I feeling in the morning? I do stretching, breath work, and I work. Get those rituals out of the way, okay? Everyone has an inclination. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has 
whether they go after it or not, whether it's suppressed, we're all talented. God, we all have a calling, right? The universe calls us, but it's calling. It's not a conference call. It's an alone calling. Now, when we grow up, if the environment we are in doesn't allow us to thrive, guess what? We suppress our authentic calling. So that's why you see people that are like, I, I, I hate my job. I'm like, well, why do you have that job? Well, I've got to pay my bills. I'm like, so you're surviving, right? So every job you go to after that is survival. It's not purpose-driven because you've lost a sense of authentic self, right? So I tell people, go back in and say, what is something that a hobby I can do? Whether it's writing, whether it's singing, whether it's playing guitar, whether it's doing a spinning class, that if I couldn't fail, I would do it. And they're like, well, I would do this, this, and this. And perfect. That's your substitute. I want you to take a class on this. Don't try to be professional. Have fun. Enjoy it. And guess what? You find people actually find their purpose and their calling through the hobby because they, they don't beat themselves up, right? It's like you see kids. I was really good at sports. And I, someone said to me, that my son started T-ball. And they said, Is, do you think he's going to be as good an athlete as you? I said, I don't know. They're like, will you coach him? I said, nope, I'm his parent. They're like, where am I? He don't have to play sports like I had to play. I don't know what he, who he is. I'm going to lean into his inclination. He likes math. I was horrible at math. He's great with people, which comes from me. He's definitely sporty like me, but he has no pressure. I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean into what he likes. If he wants baseball, we'll play baseball. If he doesn't like baseball, he wants to do track like I do, he'll do track. If he likes painting, you'll do painting. If you like the guitar. And so there I tell people, find the hobby you love. Remove the inner critics. Have fun. Don't worry. Just go join a class. Join a spinning class. Join a community. And guess what? All that time then starts to change you because you get involved in something. You have a little fun. You start to enjoy it. Right? Because we take things too serious. Right? Everyone's got to be this and everyone's got to be that. Why? Why? Don't have fun. So get a hobby. Get a couple of hobbies and don't go in there with any expectations. Just go in there to enjoy them. Enjoy the moment and then get a few friends that you can do them with. Build a little community, some like-minded people. If your friends are like, oh, you're too old to do that, cancel them out and say, look, it's not your business with my life. It's my life. Just let me do my thing. And that, that's what I would do. Get some hobbies and have fun. Had a lot of fun. We're all too serious. Don't take it serious. Don't take yourself serious. And do you think that naturally, you know, for those people you're talking about who are burnout or stressed out or hate their jobs, like, do you think that kind of having those other outlets, finding joy in other ways, it 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 kind of transfers and trickles down to not just tolerating their job, but, but being okay with it. You know, it's not your job's job to make you happy, right? No, I look, I, this is what I tell people. There's a really famous, it will, it will make a difference to your life. And I'll tell you why. So I now, my thing in life, purpose to me is to inspire, educate, and motivate you, right? To bring you value. So I could go work in a Starbucks now and be okay with it. I don't care. So when I was a kid, I did all these jobs, which was great. I worked in grocery stores. I never forget I was working in a grocery store once and this girl laughed at me. She goes, I can't believe you're doing this. 
was like, I need to pay for my acting school because no one's going to pay for it. Now she's one of my biggest fans. I said, do you remember you gave me a hard time back in Perth? She goes, I never should have said that. So now I can, there was a great story about this and hobbies and fun. And there was these three guys working on a cathedral and it's a fake, you know, I write about it and I rewrite the story because I didn't like his mission was, I had a mission. I had a purpose to build a cathedral. No, if you're skilled as a carpenter, right? Your purpose is to build things, to bring value to other people. I'm lucky I'm skilled with people. I always had an innate ability to help people and care for them. It's not something I have to think about. Now I was lucky that I could act and do these other things. But then I started to refine my skills. I can help people find themselves because they can't see their talent. And I'm good at seeing other people's talent. So I focus on helping people find their purpose and talent. I don't have to think about it. I can look at someone and say, you're really good at this. I am. Yeah, you can't see it, but I can see it. Now apply these skills and you're going to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I've always had that ability to, to I'm just good at it. It's never, I had to think about it. I don't want to coach people. People are like, can you coach them? I don't want, I didn't want to inspire people. I just do things that inspire people. I just naturally get, and if someone's down, I lift them up. I have to think about it. I have to program myself to, how many good deeds do I do today? I just do good deeds. Just in my DNA to be a good person. Yeah, everyone try to corrupt it and beat it out of me. Oh, he's too positive. Oh, the world's not like that. Actually, the world can be like that. The world can be a nice place. You can be a good person. You don't have to be a dick. So if you find those hobbies and that community and you're in a job that you dislike, guess what? You're going to look at the job differently. You're going to figure out how you can be of service in that job. And you may then go, you know what? I should take a night course or an online course or I've got, because what happens is when you do a hobby, the creative part of your brain starts exercising again. And then we think outside the box. And then you start to go, hmm, you know, I never looked at it like that. That's a good idea. And you get more engaged because at the end of the day, right? If I had to, if I lost everything, I just can't get a job. I don't care. I'm lucky I get paid to do intervention that, but if I had to work as a janitor, like, oh, I'm just going to clean some toilets. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's just a job. It pays my bills. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, there's no status. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. We all think it's, oh, you know what? Just, you know what I mean? It's at the end, like I said to the people, how many, but there's 2,650 billionaires in the world with a net worth of $112 trillion or something, right? How is there a person starving? Seriously. All the money in the world. You don't take it with you when you die. Get all these wealthy people and we stand on the edge of our grave and we face our creator. We can't take a toothbrush or underwear with us. It didn't matter. My job is to help you find yourself and educate you with the mistakes I've made so you don't make them. It's about sharing. It's about abundance. It's about giving. It's about being kind. It's about being a good person. That's the job I sign up for every day. And I told someone I'm recession proof and not many people sign up for it. He said, what? I said, being a good human. Really simple. Sign up for that job. You always have a job. You don't need any qualification. Just be a good person. Bring value to others. So yeah, just if you find a hobby and just wherever you're at, it's okay. You're enough. It's okay. Just just be where you're at. You've got nowhere to go. Where are we going? Well, right? that that 
That makes me think of, you know, it's it's not your circumstances that make you happy. Like you may, and if you, you can see it in all over the world, you you can see people in Haiti or refugee camps, you, you'll see the whole range of humans and some are really miserable, as you may expect, but also you'll find like really happy giving leaders all over the world, no matter what their circumstances. So I always kind of makes me think of that. And then as you were saying before, gratitude. So appreciating what you have now instead of striving for that next thing, striving for your next job or when you retire or when you get married or whatever that looks like for you. You never arrive. And that's why I say to people, celebrate a win for 24 hours, suffer a loss for 24 hours. That's all we have. Even when I'm getting someone sober, right? And, and they're sober a day. And I'm like, we've got the same amount of sobriety. They're like, you've got 17 years. I said, no, I don't. We're both sober right now, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's all that matters. And they're like, oh, I should see the difference. Just get through the moments. 17 years, just, there's no past. I have this moment. You have this moment. We're both sober. That's all that matters. And that's why I slow people down. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Move the numbers. Move. That's what people say. Well, I don't have enough time. I'm like, well, where are you going? Like, what? I'm like, you can do it now. Yeah, but I'm too old. Who said you're too old? Too old for what? Like, look, just do it now. Just try. They're like, oh, I could, right? I'm like, you can. Not could, you can. The only reason I succeed at anything I do is I don't quit. I stand in line long enough to get to the front. I just stand there. I'm not going anywhere. If I believe I can do it, I'm going to do it. I don't listen to other people. I just go, how much work am I going to have to do with the ability I have to refine my skills to achieve the goal? That's it. And I just keep chipping away. And I just, I'm like the hare, not the tortoise. I just keep chipping away. I'm sorry, I'm the tortoise. I just, very slow, right? Very slow chipping away. And they're like, you keep going at it. I'm like, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy the process. If you can fall in love with the process, life is easy. Well, can you share more tips you have for people who are changing their drinking? Yeah, of course. So, all right. So first of all, do a little, always tell people, give yourself 30 days. Just say 30 days, no matter how I feel, I am going to substitute the alcohol for one empowering thing. Okay. Now, don't do what a lot of people do. Then after 30 days, go on a bender. Don't do that. Because then you just, you know, you'll feel, you'll feel horrible. After 30 days, ask yourself realistically how you feel. Just say, how do I feel? Do I feel better? Yeah, okay, let's try another 30. And let's work out what, what other choice. In, or remember, substitute. Don't try and stop and quit. Just substitute. Instead of drinking, I'm just not going to drink for the next 30 days. These are the things I'm going to discipline myself to do. And a lot of people get upset because I, you know, it's about discipline. And a lot of people in the recovery world say, it's not about discipline. It's not about willpower, but you have to be willing, right? There is still willpower in it. They say, yeah, but it's all about God. And I'm like, Let's forget that. Just be willing to make a more empowering choice. Just stop. You know what I mean? That's it. If you make just what, find five things that you could substitute, call someone, to share your point. If you need some kind of therapy or you need like an online group, if you don't have the money, find a group of like-minded people that no longer choose to drink. There's a lot of communities out there. They're not alcoholics. They're just like you know, sober people, right? Non-drinkers, not 
even if it's a dry month, right? Do some kind of exercise, some kind of movement. Movement boosts the endorphins, the dopamine in our brain. You have to move your body. Sitting on the couch all day, watching bad TV, eating junk food, you're going to crave liquor. Doesn't work. Move the body. You don't have to run marathons. Just move it. Get up for 10 minutes. Go for a nice walk. Better to do it outside if you can in nature because you'll feel more grounded and centered. If it's freezing cold, do it on a treadmill. Do something, right? Eat clean foods. You've got to eat clean foods. Eating processed junk foods only makes you crave more sugar. The most addictive thing in the world in our country is bread. Try to eat a loaf. One, you'll eat 10. Now you go to Europe, you have a croissant and you don't eat 10 croissants because it's not full of sugar and processed junk. Bad, right? Eat clean foods, right? Journal your thoughts. Journal. Journal all your thoughts. Get the emotions out. If it's, if it's, if it's chaos here, it becomes clear here. Even if you have to get up every day and go, Mike Diamond is an asshole. I don't want to journal. I really dislike him. His accent annoys me. I don't believe he gets up at three in the morning. Even if you start that, I guarantee once you start writing about it, you'll feel better. If you're anxious, what am I anxious to? I'm anxious because of, good, answer it. What can I do? I'm craving. Great. What are you craving? I'm craving a drink now. Why? Why? There's got to be a reason. You're doing it. There's, why am I craving it? Why? Like when people watch porn, I'm like, why are you watching it? Well, I just, no. Why do you need that stimulation? Why do you need to fill the void? Whatever the void is, right? So you got, then read something positive every day. Something uplifting. If you're struggling, read something that, like a really good biography. Just five, 10 minutes. Read it. Physically read it. Because it'll inspire you. There's a lot of, you know what I mean? People will inspire. Read my book. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? But people that have gone through setbacks, not cocky people that say they've got it all figured out. Right? So there's four. And then what's the last thing you could do? Oh, you know what's so huge? And no, not many people stretch the body. You've got to stretch the body. I have pulled so much trauma out of my body in the last five years. Unbelievable what sits in the body and the cells. We don't stretch enough. You know, when you exercise, I don't exercise for now. I exercise so when I'm 80 years old, I can still outrun my son. I train for life. I do it now. So when you look at yourself, I'm like, well, this, how will I be an 80? You don't want to be crippled. You don't want to be bent over. You want to be healthy. You want to be fit. You want to be strong. You want to be clear. So these rituals, if you do them, you should be able to do them for the rest of your life. So you're always clear, right? So you don't end up in a, an old people's home. You're not buckled over, right? So you're like, I feel good. I feel vibrant. I'm present. I, I've got a, I've got an auntie who's 85. Both my grandmothers lived to 102. Both of them. They outlived the men by many years. The men were abusive to themselves. The alcoholism, which I got. The women, 102. Wow. Yeah. They drank every now and then, but they lived clean lives. Crazy, right? 102. And they were of service the whole time, both of them. And the men weren't. And they gave service to the church. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the word stretch. You know, it could also be applied to like your mind too. stretch your body, stretch your mind. Just, yeah. You know, the best thing about stretching. And I tell people this, think about this. 
I'm like, sit down, just sit down. Like I sleep really well. And someone goes, how? And I'm like, it's the easiest thing to do. They're like, why? I'm like, all you do is lay there. They're like, yeah, but my mind, I said, no, I get everything out during the day. So I rest at night. I, ne- I sleep like, even when I was a drug addict, I slept well. I never took Xanax because I get it all out during the day. And then this is my time to recover. So I tell people, sit down for five minutes and do nothing and close your eyes and watch how quickly the body and the mind tries to control you. Right? That's why stretching is so important. If you sit down and you try to stretch the body out, think about it. We spend most of our time on these devices, right? We're broke. Right. So we've got to, every 10, 20 minutes, stretch the body, stretch the hamstrings, open up the chakras, get the breathing right. We're, we're, we're falling apart because we don't stretch. And if we don't stretch and lift a little weight, what happens? We get atrophy. So stretching is one of the, and I never stretched as a kid as an athlete. I was so bound up and all the stuff in your sympathetic nervous system stays in your body. It's bad, especially men. All our anger stays in our groins and our lower chakras, sexual frustration in our lower back. That stuff, we've got to stretch that out and pull it out. You know, it's important. Stretching is one of the most important things. Changed my life stretching. Really been incredible. Well, I appreciate that. I like hearing that. To me, that's like an out-of-the-box tool like I wouldn't have thought of. So thank you. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. I I think you all should check out A Dose of Positivity by Mike Diamond. What else are you up to? Where can we find you? What are you doing? The the TV show Intervention with A&E. I actually, I'm starting, I shot my first episode the other day. I'm actually going to be one of the regulars doing interventions on that. So they can catch me on Netflix, Vice TV and A&E. I'll be like, I'm always on Instagram doing a lot of speaking gigs, a lot of coaching. And then over the next few years, I mean, my third book's written. So that'll be, I'll be trying to, yeah. And my fourth book's written. I'm, I'm two books ahead. Like that's how, how bad my 88. That's what happens when you get sober and you get up at three in the morning. I get, you get a lot of shit done. I get so much done. Like I get so much done. Like I am so like, I just, I have so much time, but it's, it's quality time. Cause all I was doing before is blowing up my life. Just doing crazy bill. You just waste so much time trying to do. Look, this is what everyone has to remember. And I think it was Bill Gates, that, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs that said it. He was worth like seven billion when he died. He died young in his fifties, early fifties. And he said, it doesn't matter if it's a $3,000 apartment or a $3 million apartment. If you're alone in the space, you're alone in the space. So the point is, it's not what we accumulate. It's not all these things. And it's just slowly. Like if someone would have told me this book, when I wrote it, started writing it at the beginning of the pandemic. Literally three years ago, for what I've gone through, I had got COVID three times when I was writing it and shingles and had multiple, yeah, multiple stomach infections from the COVID for my stomach. And now that it's coming out, it's like, and people are like, what are your expectations? Like I had no expectations and that's, I'm not supposed to have expectations. I'm just supposed to be of service. But before, when I started writing it, it's like in your ego is like, I'm going to get this done. Because COVID made everyone panic, right? I've got to get this done. I've got to be quicker. I've got to just, so I lost all these speaking gigs. And this. now I'm just like, oh, day by day, it humbles you. Slow down. You're enough. Chill out. 
It's okay. <laughs> Figure out the small stuff. Just a little chip away every day. Just a little bit. Just, 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 just. And be kind. Just be kind. You know, I do this thing once a week. I was going somewhere and I go around my grocery store and I, every week, I just, I always, I don't post about it. I see someone that I know struggling. I can see them. I can just see, you know, I'm good with people. I'll just walk up to them. How's your day going? And they're like, oh, honestly, I'm like, yeah. And they're like, it's horrible. Okay. I'm like, hey. you know, when was the last time someone did something kind for you? And they're like, I don't remember. I'm like, great. Well, I'm going to buy you groceries. And they're like, what? Now, I know most people live check by check now. And the pandemic's been hard. I don't live check by check. I never have. And I buy the groceries. And they're like, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, the reason I'm doing it is I want you to remember that there are kind people in the world. Now, what I want you to do is be kind to the next person you see. If I buy one person's groceries every week, right, that's 52 weeks in a year. I didn't touch 52 people. I touched every person that they touch. Right? So they'll, they'll drive down the street and instead of cutting someone off or that person cuts them off, they just smile at them like, oh, they're probably having a rough day. Right? They don't go into the, the grocery store next time and it says 15 items or less than like one, two, three, four, but I want to kill that person. They've got 20 items. Right? So just by doing one kind act to one person, back of their mind, it makes them go, wait, you know what? There is some hope. Maybe I go help the next person. And then I thought there was the next person. So the compound effect of doing one, not one nice gesture a week to one person over 20 years, that's a lot of work just by helping one person once a week. And that's what people need to do. Yeah, that, that's lovely. Thank you. So, well, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all your wisdom. I look forward to your future books and Everything else you're putting out there, all this good kindness in the world. So thanks. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Where were you actually located? I'm in Boise, Idaho. Oh, okay. Are you so in California? I'm in LA, yeah. But so many people from LA go to Idaho now. We have a lot of California. It's kind of a thing. Like <laughs> People who move here from California don't tell people they're from, they're like, I'm from California. Because there's so many who move up here. Because it's just such like a great place. I mean, it's just, you know, we get four seasons and just it's beautiful. The mountains, lakes, rivers, less traffic. Yeah, it's amazing. Have you been out here? I have. I have to make a trip. I, I, I miss the season, even though now in LA we're getting a lot of rain. Because I lived in New York 10 years and I like, oh, yeah. I like the cold. I love the cold. Because I didn't grow up with the cold in Australia. Yeah, I like yeah. So I like the wet. I, I, it makes you feel good. You isolate. You have to be creative. Can't just always be sunny. It doesn't work like that. You need well, the balance. Yeah, and I think just seeing the changes and living oh, through them, okay. like it's such a good metaphor for life. Like we do go through all these changes and life, like you said, it, it's 50-50 and sometimes our trees are bare and sometimes they're budding and they're full and the <laughs> Yeah, so I love it. Go through it. You suppose I'll leave you with this. This will help anyone struggling. It's really important. So, a really famous athlete was talking to her coach one day. It was beautiful. I never looked at it like this, and and she said, "I just feel like crap today." And she was an Olympic athlete, 
right? You're like, I didn't put acid in you like crap. And he said, good. And she's like, good? What do you mean good? She didn't expect that. He goes, I'm going to teach you a trick that will change your life. He goes, it's the rule of spurts. You're supposed to feel like crap. You're supposed to feel good. And you're supposed to feel, no, supposed to feel like crap. You're supposed to feel okay. You're supposed to feel good. Don't want to feel great. Just feel good. Don't feel too good all the time. Don't feel okay all the time. Don't feel crap all the time, right? Crap, you need to do something to balance it. So there's always a rule of thirds. So if you get up and you're having a crappy day, it's the rule of thirds. It's going to be okay. You're going to feel okay eventually. You're going to feel good. Don't stress it out. Love it. Love it. What a wonderful way to end it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. Please share and review the show so you can help other people too. I want you to know I'm always here for you. So please reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com for free resources and help. No matter where you are on your drinking journey, I want to encourage you to just keep practicing, keep going. I promise you are not alone and you are worth it. Every day you practice not drinking is a day you can learn from. I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, talk to you next time.